Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney, are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. Do you or someone you love obsess over the Habs and they aren't even a fan of the team? Is your social media filled with old jokes and pathetic attempts at trolling? Then you have HOD, Habs Obsessive Disorder. From the makers of Bergy Arms comes 3 to 1. 3 to 1 is specially formulated to cause a temporary choking sensation, which will remind you that your team hasn't won a playoff series since the invention of HD television. Side effects may include a desire to shave your head and grow a goatee, a lack of fashion sense, an uncontrollable urge to say, but Tavares was hurt, pretending every head coach this century doesn't call your team soft, an uncontrollable urge to choke in the playoffs, and a realization that your ability to have an inferiority complex while simultaneously being obnoxious while never winning is why you're found undesirable. Ask your doctor if 3-1 to one is right for you. And welcome to episode 229 of Habs Unfiltered. I'm your host, Blaine Putvang, and I'm joined now by my co-host, Matt Smith. Good evening. Uh, Treg Wilson cannot be here for this episode as he is at home celebrating his granddaughter's fourth birthday. So, happy, happy birthday. Happy birthday. So, um, yeah. How was, how was your weekend shifts? It was, you know what, it was, uh, they went well. Um, I had my booster on, uh, on Friday, still went to work afterwards, which I might not have should have maybe went to work, uh, had the chills pretty bad, <laughs> pretty yeah. bad on Saturday and then hot flashes on Sunday. So you may as well just say I'm going through menopause, but it is what it is. I am, I am getting older, right? So true. Menopause <laughs> is upon you. Exactly. Right. Other than that, it's uh, it's nice to have a couple days off and, uh, obviously be back doing the show because I know I missed the last one with, uh, with Marco, unfortunately. Yeah, if we we would have really helped. It would have helped had you been on there um, to really complete the show because you know you're you're the face. <laughs> I do my best. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got my booster coming up next week, so I'm looking forward to maybe I don't know. See what happens. The play. You know what, every, everybody, everybody reacts differently to it. Yeah. Uh, apparently I went into menopause after I got mine. It doesn't say it didn't not say that there was no disclaimer. Yeah. Uh, but as I said, um, it's important. And uh, obviously I want to keep deploying. So yeah. to, to continue to deploy, I need to get the booster. So it is what it is. Exactly. I, I'm waiting to see 
there's going to eventually be someone that gets some kind of superpower. And I'm hoping oh, it's 100%. Me. 100%. Like a radioactive spider bite or something. Yeah. Geriatric Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, this episode, we're going to talk a little bit about the uh, Canadian Olympic team that uh, the roster has been released. Um, we'll talk about the Minnesota game and then Dom Ducharme talk. So we'll start with the Olympics. Canada released its Olympic roster. Uh, the WIHF accidentally released it a day early. They cerevelied the announcement. They cerevelied themselves. Yeah, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. It was it was like the Seattle expansion all over again. <laughs> it, it was pretty bad, um, but we get to see who was on the team and the Canadian. The, there are five former Montreal Canadians on the roster, plus Claude Julian as head coach. So. As, as Blaine was saying, um, just players that were in the organization or yeah. were within the organization, you've got Daniel Carr, Adam Cracknell, David D'Arnais, fan favorite, of course. Um, you've got Eric Stahl from last season, and you have uh, power play specialist Jordan Wheel. On defense, you have Mark Barberio, and in, for goaltending, uh, Edward Pasquale, who used to be with uh, St. John's. That's right who's now in the KHL playing for locomotives. So um, they took a lot of veteran players, but they're mixed in there with the youth, um, mainly guys like uh, Mason McTavish, who a lot of people would remember um, from the world juniors uh, first round pick of the Anaheim ducks. Uh, there's Jack McBain who plays for Boston college. He got drafted out of uh, uh, Toronto in the OJHL. I get to see him play a few times uh, here in Trenton and um He's a third round pick of the Minnesota Wilds and having a very good uh, season for Boston College. Um, other than that, in, in, in Owen Power, it's uh, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of older players on the team. Uh, when you look at uh, when you look at Stahl, who's in his um, what is it what he's late thirties? Right? he's 90s. in his late thirties. Winnick's thirty six. Cracknell's thirty six. Darnay's thirty five. Demers thirty three. Bavario's thirty one. So yeah. they're they're not you know, in their forties or anything, but they did take a, a mixture of, and it's going to be uh, interesting to see because obviously the NHL really wanted to be part of this. Um, obviously with COVID and all of the uh, um, uncertainty to how long players would have to be in quarantine over there in the Olympic village, if somebody was um, positive is it could be a few weeks could be, they were saying up to about five weeks before they were able to come home. So obviously NHL franchises, when you look at uh, Olympic players, they're the best of the best and you don't want to lose those players for X amount of time when they're supposed to be back playing hockey. So what we're going to see instead, and we've already seen it is a reschedule of all the games that have been missed and they're going to play through that Olympic schedule. So we'll yeah. see what happens with this team. I'm still going to watch. I'm still going to be excited for, uh, obviously, uh, Team Canada. But um, they could be a medal. They could be a team that medals. But remember, you've got teams from Germany, from Switzerland, from wherever, that a lot of them play together. And now they're going to play as a national team that could give Canada or even Russia um, a little bit of uh, trouble. So Canada went with the veterans, which is a huge shock when you have someone like Claude Julian as the head coach. I mean, he is not known 
for no, no. relying on veterans, <laughs> uh, especially veterans like Jordan Wheel, for instance. It's it's kind of funny to see how they get reunited. Um, I'm looking forward to how he deploys his players. Uh, clearly, Jordan Wheel is going to be his top power play weapon because <laughs> he was in the NHL, so why yeah. wouldn't he be at the Olympics? Um, and I know there's a lot of concern with the older players uh, saying that this is a, the Olympics, so it's a larger ice surface, which is not the case. Uh, the, the games in, in China are going to be on NHL-sized rinks. Because they, at that time, they thought everybody was coming across. And, yeah. and, and uh, it hasn't happened yet, but a lot of countries are starting to go to North American ice. And a lot slowly. of international, right? Slowly. And a lot of international ice is just disappearing. There's a, there's a few, pl- a lot of places in Finland and yeah. uh, Northern Russia that have a hybrid where it's a little bit larger than the normal NHL ice, but not quite as big as Olympics. So they're, they're shifting over that way. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how this veteran laden team does. Uh, I do fully expect Pasquale to be the starter right away I do, too. I, I do too and um and that's not a knock on other goaltenders i was a little bit surprised that devin Le- uh, levi was uh was brought I'm in not. I'm um not. played very well during the world juniors yeah um he's having a good season with uh, northeastern university this year he's got nine shutouts and the 16 wins that he has so yeah obviously the kid can stop a puck however i was a little bit surprised because i really thought that uh i thought devin dubnik was going to make that team yeah. And even though he hasn't played, he's only played four games this year, but he, uh, he's, he, he, uh, I believe he still lives in Minnesota right now. He and, and he went down to Charlotte and, uh, to, to do some conditioning. He's two and two in the starts that he's played, but, uh, you know, after a lackluster season where he, uh, where he went to call it, he was with San Jose and Colorado didn't have the best year. And now he was looking for work. I kind of thought that he was going to at least make one of those three spots. Well, I don't think in a, ter- in a short tournament like this, uh, bringing in a goaltender who hasn't played much that's tr- is a that's good true. idea. That's true. But even, a, even as a third, like I, it's a little bit surprising. But What it, happens if these guys get hurt? That's true. That's true. But I, I would say it's right now it's, um, it's uh, Pasquale's. Um, yeah. It's, his, it's, his, it's his to lose right now. Um, this season so far with Locomotive, uh, 1916 and three with a 1.99 goals against a 916 save. So, um, yeah, he's putting up some really good numbers on yeah. a weaker team. Yeah. Like uh, locomotive is not, uh, known to be a strong team even defensively. So for him to have those numbers, that shows that he is, he's doing well in his net. That's why I feel like he's going to get the, the nod there that yeah. and he's 31 years old, which oh, Julian just loves. Yeah. Um, but there are, um, there are some other, um, say former NHL players on the team yep. as well. Um, um, Josh Hosang, uh, who's currently in the Toronto Marlies uh, organization, uh, Landon Ferraro, Gormley, um, Gormley uh, Ben Street, uh, Tambellini, Jason Demers, um, et cetera, right? So yeah, the, the team isn't, it's clearly not a, as good of a Canadian team as you would expect. Yeah. But with no NHL players, this is this is better than a Spangler Cup team. Yeah. So it's yeah. kind of an in-between, right? Yeah. And 
I think you made a good point when it came to the other countries. So not everyone's released their rosters yet. So I'm, I'm a little bit concerned with how countries like Sweden, Finland, how they're going to put their teams together because they have national programs. And when they're play when they play in the SHL and Liga, they take time off so that their top players can go play in national programs yeah. together. So these yeah. are guys that are, that know each other that play together. So they're going to have a head, a head start. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how Canada counteracts that. That's right. But they're, but they're, but they're going to have other team, like other there's, there's other teams that are going to be out there that normally wouldn't be that, you know, that much of a, a difficulty for a team Canada that they're now going to have to go against uh, like, like Switzerland or Germany or yep. um, you know, Slovakia or some of these other countries. I think, yeah, I think Slovakia is going to have a really good squad because they've put in, they put together basically their world junior team, their top players from the world junior team, yeah, yeah. plus a bunch of really solid uh, pros out of their, their local league. And there's a couple of ex NHLers in there too. So they would not be some, a, a team to overlook. Yeah, Canada is not the favorite. Like no, you can't, Russia. you can't, right. You, right, you can't, you can't say that they're the, I, I can see them as a metal team. But uh, it might not be gold. I think Russia's the the uh, the favorites in this one. Uh, yeah. The United States aren't far behind because they they went with uh, like a, a throwback to the old 1980s yeah. uh, version of Team USA where they went heavy heavy into the NCAA. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of youth there. Yeah. Which includes could, Sean Farrell, of course. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So that could help, but it could also hinder because that lack of experience, especially in a short tournament might be a detriment yes i agree these are little things uh the tournament starts on 9th of february so it'll be fun to watch that the women's tournament starts uh next week i believe on the 2nd of february just before the um the opening ceremonies okay so lots of hockey coming up we've got the nhl playing catch up all the olympics so it's uh, a hockey a hockey fans paradise absolutely um Moving on from there, from paradise, we're going to move to hell. <laughs> hell in the form of blistering cold Minnesota, the state of hockey. Yep. Now, I've been to St. Paul. Minnesota is a beautiful area, wonderful people, but that was painful. It was. The Canadians lose an eight to two, and they they didn't just lose. They got dominated like there was it was to the point where i was wondering what the safe word was to make it stop yeah i agree um it's it's to the point it's it's hard to make excuses for this team and yes we can look at the injuries we can look at uh Dvorak getting hurt 36 36 seconds into the game on his second shift which we'll get into in a bit yeah um you can look at um they said playing with the spare parts the, of the, of the, of the organization, the fact that they've been on the road forever. Oh yeah. etc. But um, it was just, it seemed like it was just a, a lost team last night. And every, I, 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 every I tw- step of the game. I remember tweeting out at one point when Ducharme um, took a timeout. I was like, what's he telling this team? Um. His systems, like, we're going to get into, we're going to into coaching later on, but like his yeah. systems aren't working and whatever he's preaching to the team, 
it's not the, getting in. It's not getting in. The players are not performing to the to the level that those players can play at. But on this game, uh, I think last week we saw a team that was competing. They they put in effort. There was yeah. um, the systems weren't uh, the system wasn't very good, but. Yeah. Uh, they they put in the effort. The game against uh, Colorado, for instance, that is a game that they should have been blown out in, but they were they hung in tough because they were putting in that second effort. This game here, they did not have any of that. No, there was no intensity to their game. It was just going through the motions. Like you said, it, it's the end of a long trip, so they're tired. But again, you're being paid to play hockey. You have to show up, and despite having a decimated roster this is where coaching kicks in this is where a defensive system would make a bad team competitive but but right now you don't have have, there is there is no defensive system like like zero (laughs) absolutely zero how many times did we see last night two players in front of uh in front of uh primo or in front of mcnevin when he came in in relief and no one, like no Canadians players around. I honestly thought that they were being paid to stand there as, as bouncers. Like it's, it was bad. It was bad. Yeah. Like we make jokes all the time about certain players being, being pylons and everything on defense. You look at the Canadians decor last night and you could have probably got better defense from the pylons. Yeah. Like Petrie, Jeff Petrie all season long. I can't understand what's going on in his head, but yeah. There was one point in this game against uh, in in the game against Minnesota. He had the puck. He was carrying it out of the defensive zone. The pressure was just starting to get into uh, get onto him on a forecheck, and he had the option of dumping it off the boards safely, uh, making a pass to I think it was Dauphin about ten feet up into the neutral zone, wide open pass. Instead. He tried to rim it, rim it behind the net, but he didn't go around the boards. He went and just passed it right back to the back of the net. Yeah. And it ends up being a scoring chance. Yeah. Because he the didn't one, even back check after that. Yeah, The one for me is uh, the, 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 the shot that went in that he was just backing up, backing up, backing up. Yeah. Like you, they cannot employ that tactic with Primo or McNevin in the net. If you've got Carey Price in net, let Price see the shot, he's probably going to make the save. But if you're just going to back up and you're not going to play defense and you're going to let all these forwards come in and, and get as much space as they want, it's not going to happen. You look, the, I, I think the, the only positive of last night, other than a few players actually playing with some balls, mainly Pizzetta and Josh Anderson, yeah. Um was the fact that this team didn't let up 40 fucking shots. They only let up 39. That's true. They only let up 39, but Minnesota had, I think it was 112. It was, yeah, it was ridiculous. Attempts, it was ridiculous. Yeah. Which shows that they had possession of the puck nearly the entire game. I mean, Montreal only had eight shots on net by the midway point. Yeah. Eight. Yeah. And they only finished with 21. Which shows they stepped up their game a little bit, but that was it, it was too little too late. That's right. And it was completely disorganized. So you wanted to um well let's get into Dvorak really quick. Yeah. Uh, thoughts on the hit by Spurgeon. 
I honestly think Spurgeon did that on purpose. I mean, he, Dvorak was coming back around to the front of the net. His, his head was, he was facing his own net. Spurgeon was coming in from the blue line to go to, to crash the net, which that's, that's good. I, I like that kind of hockey, but he saw Dvorak the entire way. He did not shift, did not move. He, uh, he even made sure that his shoulder made contact. So he knew where he was hitting this guy. Yeah. And it was, yeah. And it was avoidable. Completely Uh, avoidable. Concussion spotter took him out of the game. He didn't pass the test. Um, There's more to follow. Obviously likely going to be a concussion for a guy for Dvorak. He just got back. He's actually been playing his pretty good hockey since he's been back. Um, So to lose another veteran player, especially a center. Yeah it's now going to force their hand and playing someone in a position where they either shouldn't be in or like pocket. Exactly. So we're going to hope for the best, like we have with every injury this season. However, when have we been lucky on any injury this season? Yeah. He's, he's probably going to be gone for good three, four weeks. Yeah, I'm probably gone for a while. Same thing is, um, you know, the, the way you're looking at goaltending right now, what you have is what you got. Matumbo probably isn't going to be back for another little while. There's no one else under an NHL contract. Exactly. So right now you've got Primo, McNevin. That's it. And that's it. Because Matumbo, it's looking more and more likely that he's going to have surgery. So he's out long-term. Yeah. Uh, Allen's out long-term. Price, yeah, eight <laughs> we weeks. don't know when yeah. he's going to be back. Yeah. So it's just these two. And uh, I've got to defend Primo a little bit on this. Yeah. I mean, last night's game. Yeah. He let in a couple of weak goals. He did. And he Absolutely. was, che- and he cheated in two of the goals he let in, he cheated on. He These did. are goals. So I can see why he cheated on one of them because you have Kaprizov with the puck. Kaprizov is usually the shooter. I could see why you try to cheat. However, instead he looked foolish because he, because he cheated. Had had the defense been in the position they should have been in, they would have been able to pressure Kaprizov a little bit and force him to shoot, which would have made Primo look a little bit better on the play. Yeah, but yeah. that's neither here nor there. What, uh, right. what I wanted to get to, though, is that Primo's only played 67 pro games between the AHL and NHL. Yeah. He is not ready to carry no. the load as a starter. No, he's not, but he's right now he's going to have to. He's got the talent to do it, but the issue is he's not consistent enough. So you saw the game against Colorado. He was outstanding. Yeah. He tracked well. He had good, uh, good rebound control. He battled in his net. He, he played an excellent game. And then this, uh, this game against Minnesota starts, he started off, he, he wasn't bad, but then he made a mistake by cheating a little bit onto one side. He let in that weak goal on the third goal. He should, he kind of whiffed on with the glove hand. Yeah. These are little inconsistencies that get worked out because on that one where he whiffed on the glove hand, he wasn't square to the shooter. No. He wasn't in the proper position. But these are things that you learn as you go uh, with muscle memory and more experience. So at about 150 games in, he should be able to deal with that. Yeah, and but, it- but but right now he's hung out to dry. And added and adding on to that, the team playing in front of me is so damn inconsistent. Yeah, he's being hung out to dry. That he's getting that, exactly. You can't you can't expect your goalie to make that many saves night in night out. You win or loss. 
and then yeah. come out and then come out the next day and try to uh, try to repeat that performance. It's probably not going to happen. No. Um, and then we we we've been we've been asking for it because of all the injuries that have been happening to goaltenders this season. We've been asking for McNevin to finally get his opportunity, and he, he was put it. he was put in in the third period. It's going to be one that we're going to forget. Um, it wasn't a good performance for him, but at the like same 570 time, five seventy save percentage. I believe five seventy one. Yeah, he let in yeah. um, three goals on seven shots, so yeah. five seventy one save. But um, at that point, the team had already pretty much given up. Yeah, except for Pizzetta and Anderson, they were looking yeah. for a little bit of revenge, yeah. and that's which is good. Um, with with uh, Dvorak out too, I noticed through the game that. Uh, Dauphin ended up getting all that extra ice time. Meanwhile, on a team that's missing a center with, with Dvorak out, uh, Paling did not get any extra ice time. Uh, the, the, he relied on Dauphin at center. And guys like, uh, like, like Paling, who were playing well and in his hometown, yeah. did not get the added ice time. And he was out playing Dauphin. At least it wasn't Paca. Ugh. Still, however, um, we even look at last night and um, we, we getting into um, getting into uh, time on ice usage. Yeah, Jake Evans and Nick Suzuki played the most for the Canadians last night, both at nineteen thirty-one. And I would assume that Evans would get a little bit more because he kills penalties, and Montreal took a few, obviously, and then Dvorak went down. He's the center, um, but. Um, they both played 1931. Dauphin played 1656, which is more than Hoffman by Toffoli by about 30 seconds. So he played two more minutes than Toffoli. He played more which than Lekkonen, which is played baffling. more than Paling. It's bad. So it is. It's not like they're showcasing him. No, I know he's a free agent at the end of the year, yeah. but how much are you going to get for him in a trade? Like nothing. No. There's not showcasing him. So why no. rely on him over guys like Lekkinen and Tafoli? Even Hoffman was outplaying him defensively, yeah. which yeah. is saying a lot. Yeah, he made he made, you know what he made a pretty decent play there in front of the net and kind of dropped a shoulder to a player and everything yeah. and towards the end of the end of the first period. And I don't know. And everybody right now is making their own rumors saying this player's gonna move and this player's gonna move and yeah. this player's gonna move and you know what? The Canadians are going to move some players. We know that not everybody's going to yep. move. And I don't think they're going to throw a grenade at the team and just blow the whole team up at the same time. There's no, play- was- there's players that play well with others. There's chemistry there. You're not going to break that up. The problem is, which we're going to get into, I'm sure next is finding a coach that can implement a system with the players that he has to get the maximum usage out of those players into what their skill sets are. Uh, Ken Hughes talked about having a team that is fast, but that can play fast with possession. And right now the um, systems that are being implemented, there's no, there's no defense. There's no system. There's no defense. There's no nothing. So with, with this, uh, Hughes also mentioned that he wanted to build a culture within the room, within the organization. And what are we seeing in this? 
well, this season, we're seeing a, a team uh, where there is no merit to their play. Like you look at Pizzetta's, Pizzetta had what under 10 minutes total ice time, uh, eight sixteen. Yeah. yeah. So, and he, he plays hard every shift. He does. Granted, he is not the most talented player, but he's honest and yeah. he's physical. And in a game against Minnesota, you needed that. Yeah. Like you look at what he did against, uh, against Dumba. He drew all kinds of people onto him because he played a physical style. Yeah. So why not give him more ice time? Mer- the meritocracy is not there. Yeah. And without a system, like you don't have a culture, you don't have a system. So it's just a free-for-all. It's no wonder the Canadians only have eight wins. Shane Wright scored a nice goal the other night. So his stock's, so going, his, his stock's going up. <laughs> but that, that that's... I. I that's the argument I get a lot from a lot of people on Facebook, on Twitter. Well, we want to finish last so we can draft first overall. Look, I get it. You want a high pick, but at the same time, even if you finish dead last, you only have an 18% chance of winning that yeah, draft it's not, lottery. It's not set in stone. So what's more helpful to the team? Actually building a culture where you don't accept losing yeah. or get that first overall pick because if you wanted to know that uh, what would happen just look to buffalo yeah they purposely went out of their way to lose and now they they still haven't recovered they're they're starting their third rebuild because they accepted a, a losing culture and they're working their asses off to rebuild that yeah it's looking pretty good now but it took a long time it's getting there but they've got a lot of work to do so you don't want that to set in you want a coach who demands the best of his players, whether they're ECHLers or start, yeah, which, which we've seen. <laughs> oh yeah, exactly. Cam Hillis. Yeah, shout, out to Cam, shout out to Cam Hillis. <laughs> but that's the thing. Like you want to have, you want to have a coach that can adjust his system to the players that he has. Yeah. We're not seeing that. We're not seeing in-game adjustments. We are not seeing between period adjustments hell between the games maybe with personnel but not system wise the players have even mentioned how confused they are saying we're not we're not quite there yet we don't know it so has he already lost the room being that he was with julian for that time and he's he's a recognized voice and julian kind of lost the room and they needed a new voice but is he a new voice because he was with julian so maybe they look at him as just an extension of the old and he's already lost the room. It's obviously uh, two completely different systems. However, the the systems he's employing just they don't work at the NHL level. I'm, if I'm, it's if if we're this many games into the season, the Canadians only have this many wins, injuries or not, yeah. and the team can't figure out the system. It's not just it's, the losses. It's, it's the it's. How it's bad how, they are. Well, it's how they're losing yeah. right now. If I, if I off the top of my head, I believe the Canadians have let up five goals, 15 times this season. Yeah. They let up six, three times. And in last night, spot. last night in eight spot. Yeah. Which was their worst. Yeah. And probably their worst performance. And in those games where they were letting up five or more, they were completely discombobulated. There was no system. There was no, effort there was no preparation there was no pushback like they'll have a good game and then they'll play like shit for two games and then they'll have a good game this inconsistency kind of points to 
the players not buying in. Petrie's play all season kind of. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it underlines right. that, right? Well, like, look at, like, you you look at um, when the team goes to overtime, you pretty much already know they're gonna only going to walk out with a point. Because he's playing uh, not to lose. Because you have, because they've got, no, again, uh, they have no system there. And then what they were starting to do last season, which worked a few times for them, oh, just chuck the puck back in the defensive zone and try it again. We're not even seeing that now. It's just we're seeing let's play, let's play who we play. And if we get a chance, maybe we'll win, but we're not going to. <laughs> yeah. So. You want to see the team actually try. Like it, we're at the point now, we're at 41 games into the season. There is no hope for the playoffs. It feels like it's been a full season. It has. And there's 41 games left to go. A ton of them are going to be home games. Yeah. How how many fans do you think, when they allow fans into the stadium, that is, how many are going to want to pay that $100, 200 $300 when they're, they don't know if they're going to see a team that's going to show up or not? There's going to be a lot of uh, buyback websites that are going to be really happy because they're going to get a lot of that business. They are. And and this is where Hughes has to step up and say, okay, look, we know that this year's bad. We're going to send all our young guys back down to Laval and we're going to muddle through the rest of the year. Hang on with us. We're doing, we're doing like a mini rebuild, something, make an announcement of some way. And then fans will realize, okay, okay. I'm not expecting a win, but, I'm expecting a show. I'm expecting effort. I want to see a team that gives a shit. And is Ducharme the guy that can get these players to give a shit? No, I don't think so. If we're for for this many games into the year and we haven't seen it, we haven't seen the effort. We haven't seen the push. Um, Yes. I know they're missing. They're missing Weber. They're missing price. They're missing Gallagher right now. Three guys that can take, can take, well, control over a game or can, even byron can, isn't playing yet. yeah 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 it's yeah um most and then we've still got evanston that's out as well yeah um that's a ton of leadership I it's agree. a ton of leadership and right now the guy that stepped up leadership wise in my opinion has been Sherrod, and he's likely going to be the next guy that's going to be out the door yeah i his his days are definitely numbered um you know i mean for obvious reasons yes. but again this is it. Despite all of this, the coach is still supposed to be the one to kind of set the tone in the room. Absolutely. I think in issues like this, I think we're going to see a full wipe of the coaching staff and in unrelated news, unrelated news before (laughs) we get into coaching. Yeah. um, Pierre Lebrun reported today that Sean Burke and Scott Mellenby are among um, a group of finalists for the GM position with the Vancouver Canucks. As um, is, as yeah. is Matthew Darsh. Well, if between those three, I mean, I'm kind of partial to Sean Burke myself. He's a great guy. I'd like to see him get a job, but I mean, if you're going to give a GM job, um, I would think Darsh would be in the lead there. But then again, you look at who's in the front office. Burke might be the better fit. They might be looking for a more old school hockey mind. So a Mellon B, a yeah. Burke, 
Yeah. I mean, they just hired Emily Castonghi as an EGM. Right. And some people, and I'll get into this really quick as well, before we get into coaching, get back into coaching, because I know you, do, wrote, you just wrote an article for the Hockey yeah. Writers on it. Um, Emily Castonghi did not get um, interviewed for the GM position for the Montreal Canadiens. It's, it's a known fact. So the, all the people that are saying that the Canadians missed the mark, the Canadians did this, the Canadians did this, the Canadians did that, she was never in consideration for the GM position. A GM position, we're not going to know this. I don't think we, it's going to be filled in the next month or so. Exactly. We don't know if she was on a short list. She could have been. She, she's, she, she may have been, and she's qualified to do it. Absolutely. However, she's with the Canucks now. Yeah. She seems very happy to be there. We're very happy for her. It's very good for the game to see uh, to see somebody step into a position like that because it's definitely not something you see every day. No. And, you know, I'm going to wish her all the best. And that's going to be it. She's, yeah, not a part, well, she's not a part of the Canadians organization. So no. the people that wanted to see her there, it's kind of a if they want if Montreal wanted her there, she'd be there. It'd be and right now it's a if they wanted her, they slept they you know they they slept on it. It didn't it didn't work and and she's now with another 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 organization. And you think about it, what more would she be able to bring that Kent Hughes already has? I mean, it's two agents. They you know it's a similar skill sets. Yeah. And do you want that overlap? I mean, I would rather. They bring in someone like Daniel Sauvageau, who has experience with player development, coaching development. Yes. yes. Because that is a that is and an she actual was, weakness. And she was someone that they did actually yes. um, bring in for uh, for an interview. And that's that's a weakness in the Canadians organization. So it this shouldn't just be about, hey, let's just hire, you know, women in BIPOCs. Exactly. We, and the thing we is, should be hiring you, people that fit something you need. You want to see people that are hired to fill a role yeah because if you don't and you just hire them it looks like a pr move and that's not what you want and that's not what these women that are trying to get into these positions want they They don't want want a meaningful job exactly they don't want to they don't want to be seen as a pr move and that is that that is the worst that's the worst thing you've got somebody that that's worked all their all their life towards making it to this level and then their their accomplishments are looked at as a PR move. You do not want to see that. Exactly. And that's why again I I'm really hoping to see Danielle Sauvageau get hired on because she fills a desperate need for the Canadians organization. Absolutely. Absolutely. She has that skill set. She has that experience. And I think she would be a better fit with Kent Hughes, with Jeff Gordon. I really like to see that. We'll see what happens, but Absolutely. that that's my my preference, okay. but back so, to the coaching. So sidetrack, yeah, <laughs> sidetrack complete. Um, back to coaching. So you yeah. wrote an article about three replacement coaches that could come in um, to fix the problems behind the bench for the Montreal Canadiens. Yeah, yeah. So I named guys like uh, Patrick Roy, Manuel Guru, and Guy Boucher. Uh, there's clearly others that are out there that could be a good fit, yeah. but I picked those three because Erwad, we know what he can bring. He's, he's yes. a passionate guy and he demands a lot of his players. He does. And he's respected because he has been where they're at. 
So he would be able to step into the room mid-season and kind of reset the clock and say, look, and he's, this- and he's, and he's already had discussions with yep. the current management of this team, other than obviously Ken Hughes. Exactly. And I think he's a better fit as a coach anyway. I, I believe so too. I believe so too. So he would, he would be able to reset the clock and kind of say, Hey guys, we're starting from zero. I'm demanding the very best out of you. Not necessarily the fact that, you know, you could be outskilled, but do not get outworked. He would be able to do that. So that would set a culture in the room. I demand your very best at all times. Even if your best isn't good enough, it's there. So that, that sets a culture. It was three seasons, three seasons with the Colorado avalanche as head coach. He was 52 and yeah, Jack Adams, his first season with a 52 win season, even though they lost in the first round. Um, And then they were out of the playoffs the next two years, but they, they were a 39, 31 record. And then a, uh, with 12 overtime losses. And then they went 39 and 39 and were out of the playoffs as well. And they were highly competitive in all their games. Absolutely. they They didn't have the players that they have now. I mean, they clearly had the same, basic core, but, um, he he got the best out of them that he could. Now, those are back in the days of Duchesne and Ryan O'Reilly and those guys. Yeah. Yeah. And the only issue I see with Roy is that he's not a big proponent of fancy stats, the advanced stats. He doesn't like them really. So that's something that kind of grates against the system that they're putting in place now. Um, Benoit Guru, on the other hand, loves advanced stats. He is a very demanding coach, but he has softened his, himself a little bit in his six years with Tampa Bay's organization. Yes. And you look at the lineup in Tampa, and it is filled with players that he developed yeah. and graduated. Yeah. So he's put in his time, and he, he's, he's ready for an NHL job. I think he would be an excellent fit in Montreal. He, you know, bilingual. He's, he checks all the boxes. And he's, he's a good X's and O's guys as well. So he'd be able to set the culture, get them going. He would be able to install an actual system that could complement what they have yeah. and adjust. Yeah. But who, is there anyone else that uh, you think would fit? Uh, possibly Jim Montgomery. Who's yeah. an assistant, who's an assistant with the blues right now. He's from Montreal. Yep. He's bilingual to an extent. I have watched him, uh, do a few uh, interviews mainly when he was with the Dallas stars and they went to the, they went to the final or they went to. Yeah. They went to the final a couple years ago. Yeah. Um, and when, and when he was, when he was talking, when he was talking during some of those interviews, um, you know, he was with the university of Denver for quite a few seasons. He was highly regarded um, in that, in that program, that organization, um, got his opportunity to jump into the NHL with the Dallas stars, um, had a really good season in his first year and then, uh, shortened season, obviously. Um, and then was brought, or, um, no, he stepped down. Yes. He, he, ste- he, he stepped down, um, because of, because of personal issues and Rick, when Rick bonus came in, he's been in since, and now he's an assistant with the St. Louis blues. So I could see him potentially um, moving into that because Dallas can play a defensive sit or when he was with Dallas, they play a more defensive system as do the blues, but they know how to counterattack at the same time. And I can see Montreal trying to kind of build a team towards that because right now they have the players that can do that. 
if they have a defensive system. And even some of their forwards, um, Anderson, Suzuki, um, Toffoli, et cetera, these guys know how to play. They can play a two-way game. Yeah. Some a little bit better than others. But uh, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens and if any coaching change is going to be made between now and the end of the season or if they're just going to let it ride and see then if they if they're interesting in somebody else from another organization like um like montgomery or someone like a pascal vassar or something like that i was going to ask you about him actually. um so you're not obviously going to get them during the season so if 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 um you're not going to, you're not going to be able to poach somebody off somebody else's bench throughout the year. So, um, or it's very, very, very rare that that will happen. So I, I, I think that personally, I think that he's there the rest of the year. If, if we like it or not, I think he's going to be there. They're going to let him roll out the end of his year and then that'll be it. It's probably why uh, Gordon and now Hughes have said, well, we're not looking to get rid of him, but at the same time, I would have no doubt in my mind that they're kicking tires on a bunch of other coaches. Yeah, they're, they've they've had to have had talks about it. Because you're not going to replace them without finding a replacement first. That's right. But I would say, I would say that uh, right now the three that you named, um, and then I'll throw another dark horse in there as uh, a Guy Carbono. Ooh, well, you know, they do like to recycle coaches. That's right. I don't think we're going to see a Terry and reunion or anything like that. Or Vigno. I can see them being, I can see him at least getting an interview. I can. Yeah. Will Terry be wearing pants in this interview or just walking around? <laughs> no, no, not Terry. Not Terry. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I mean, Vigno. I could see yeah. him. Yeah. And I would be out of the two of them. I'd be much more okay with Vigno than Terry, obviously. Yes. Yeah. And Gorton is familiar uh, with Vigneault yeah. being in their, their time in New York together. So, yeah, I think, I think we're getting to a point now where he may, we may need to see a change of direction with coaching in Montreal because finishing last shouldn't be the only, no, the only be, thing. that shouldn't be the end result. That shouldn't no. be the, that shouldn't be the end goal. Um, and at the same time, I don't want to see, I don't want to see if they're going to, if they're going to move on from him, move on from him. Don't bring in, don't say, okay, well, you're out. Burrows, you're into the rest of the year in an, in an interim tag or give it to, or give it to some, one of the other bench bosses and say, okay, you're in, in an interim position until we find somebody else. Cause then all it's going to do is put, more pressure on the team to learn a partial other new system. And I think they would just be, it wouldn't be the right move. Well, just like uh, Ducharme, if he were let go and say Luke Richardson took over again, when Ducharme took over for Julian, then now Richardson takes over for him. There's no real change in the voice. And even even when Ducharme was out, um, last year during the playoffs he was still making a lot of the calls most of the calls he was he was Uh, richardson did a good job on the bench he he was able to make adjustments in game yes that ducharme i don't think was able to do and he still wasn't and he still wasn't able to do yeah no he's not um so as long as they can find a way to start being consistent in their competitive attack 
you know, how, how to remain competitive from game to game. If they can do that, losing isn't that big of a deal. No. But if they can't, if they're losing and they're, it's just like 15 games where they've let five goals or more, that's not in 41. That is yeah. not acceptable. Yeah. This is, this is the absolute worst season in Montreal Canadiens history. Defensively, overall in points. Yeah. Like, so that is you, saying a like, lot. Like they're, they're last in the league. They've got, I think, the worst penalty kill, the worst power play. They've got uh, their shot differential, goal differential. Uh, pretty much every, every stat that you don't want to be last in, they're last in. Well, the uh, back in the '40s when the uh, World War II has just started, the Canadians were flatlined, and it was the the worst teams that they had put together before they started to pick it up at around. Yeah, and now, and now all of a sudden, those teams don't look so bad. <laughs> no, some of the, if any of them are still available for, uh, for as free agents, I'd say bring them on. Yeah, fuck you, may as even well. now. Yeah, <laughs> you may as well. I could see like the Canadians roster right now playing against that uh, that olympic team they put together and they'd probably lose maybe like you put jordan wheel and darren a out there in a fucking power play against montreal it's completely unfair to have those two powerhouse power play specialists yeah. it's unfair yeah. it's, it's like a it's like a cheat mode like the nhl 90 uh, the uh nhl 94 where you do yeah. the wraparound one-timer the only thing that could be worse is if somehow we gave gomez his uh Canadian citizenship and say, go on out there, be the trifecta. Is Jeremy Roenick available? Speaking of NHL 94 <laughs> cheat modes. All right. Um, all right. So I think we're pretty much at the end of this episode. Is there any final thoughts? For me, nothing. Um, however, during this, during this, um, uh, during this show, I've been drinking, um, I've been drinking uh, Nanaimo bar cream and it's delicious. So if you guys haven't picked any up, definitely go do it. and for me i'd like to just uh give a shout out to our partners at boxing rock brewing company uh with their puck off lagered ale it's a great beer um if you got up at the break of dawn and spent all day drinking rink coffee while cheering your team under your hockey blanket you and your dedicated ways deserve a super refreshing perfectly normal beer to share with your friends puck off lagered ale is brewed with hockey and all of its characters in mind cheers to a great puck off and cheers to you Hockey parents, inspiring coaches, valiant referees, and of course, the ever loyal fans. And considering the season the Canadians are having, loyalty is amazing among the Canadian fans. As, as much as they complain, they're still there. One more thing I want to say before we let you go. Um, shout out to Mike Camito, friend of the show, uh, author, hockey historian, he was on uh, Rogers Hometown Hockey the other day during the uh, um, the uh, broadcasting from uh, from Sudbury, and uh, he I think he did a fantastic job and had some laughter in those stories that were being told through uh, throughout the uh, throughout the community. So, uh, so I am uh, very familiar with the stories about. Yeah. <laughs> I grew up around there, so my first actually my first hockey game was a Wolves game. At the first one I ever went to go watch. So seeing that wolf come down on the wire, baby, that was awesome. So yeah, special shout out to him. Keep up the great work and uh, you can, uh, you can find his books uh, anywhere books are sold, check them out on Amazon, et cetera. Um, Hockey 365. He's, he does a fantastic job and uh, keep up the great work, Mike. 
Yeah, Hockey 365, second period with the, from Dunder and Press. Check it out. Definitely worth uh, worth the uh, worth the purchase for sure. I've got one. Love it. So I guess that's it for the show. Um, I want to thank everybody for listening. Uh, I want you to I want to re- remind everyone that we are still having that giveaway. If you are 19 and over and you live in Nova Scotia, you are you could be entered to win 12 cans of puck off Loggerdale. All you have to do is tag the show in any social media and tell everybody why you like listening. So I want to thank you for, uh, for tuning in. Thank you for listening, making us part of your daily Montreal Canadiens experience. And remember, if you were talking about it, so are we. Be sure to go to HabsUnfiltered.net to check out all the great giveaways, all the great sponsors, all the promo codes for each sponsor to save you money on amazing products. to make the most out of this life and optimize your personal wellness then check out the natural man podcast join me host mike c as we explore all areas of human wellness physical mental and emotional learn strategies to optimize your own well-being and be in the driver's seat of your own health remember your doctor works for you learn biohacks neurohacks ways to improve sleep and ways to optimize your body and your mind. Check us out on Apple, Spotify, the Fountain app, and at naturalmanpodcast.com. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast, NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holawati from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Crier Media Network. <laughs>